E-S-N-Y. Welcome to the Clean Sweep Podcast, Elite Sports New York's Brooklyn Nets Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Small. Uh, my, co- my co-host, Matt Brooks, couldn't be here today. Uh, we've both actually had a lot of stuff going on around the holidays, so we've both been pretty busy, which is why we didn't have one up last week. But we are lucky because we're joined again by the great Nolan Jensen. Nolan, how are we doing today? Yeah, I appreciate throwing in that great connotation to kind of gas me up a bit. Um, you know, I'm doing, I was doing all right. Um, this, uh, especially the second half of this Nets-Mavericks game, took a lot out of me. Um, kind of still winding down from New Year's. How you doing, Daddy? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good too. Like, just like you said, you know, feeling good, New Year's, everything. I was actually, mm. I was at the Knicks, the Knicks Mellow game yesterday, so I've been oh, yeah. pretty busy. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, this Nets game was kind of a downer because looked good in the first half. They, you know, the offense was, was humming. And then second mm-hmm. half was a, a different story. So why don't you, uh, why don't you give us your, your main takeaway from, from this Mavericks loss here? And then we'll, uh, We'll kind of just see where uh, the conversation takes us from there because there's a lot to talk about here. You know, four-game losing streak, Nets are starting yeah. to, uh, you know, really kind of scuffle here. Um, yeah. We can get into a lot of a lot of bad stuff, I imagine. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely just as you said. It's It's been a limp to um, the basically the reinforcement lines. We're obviously waiting for Karis Avert. <laughs> We're waiting for <clears throat> Kyrie Irving whenever that – will come about and eventually all the way down the road Kevin Durant um the Nets offense in the first half it, w- it was I don't want to sound pessimistic right out the gate but I could kind of tell that hey they can't keep this up let's not get in the shootout against one of the best offensive teams in the league let's make defensive adjustments and it seemed like that never really happened and the Mavericks offense which was electric in the first half actually got better in the second scoring 63 points and scored 60 in the first half Luka Doncic takes over in the fourth quarter. We just don't have that guy right now. We don't have Kyrie Irving or even a Karis LeVert mixed in with like a backcourt of Spencer Dinwiddie to alleviate pressure off of him. I think we went with TLC until like the minute, minute and a half mark, mm-hmm. which no no offense to TLC. He deserved to be in that game with how the roster is currently constructed. He played well, but it's just, just not the type of guy that's going to mm-hmm. uh, you, you really want in, in moments like this against the Premier team especially with the fact that he hasn't been all that well acclimated, not just into the roster, but the league yet, right out of the, of the G League, obviously. But it's, it, like I said, it was a game where I expected the offense to die down. They were playing out of their minds. The bench scored, I believe it was 50 points tonight. They're usually on pace for 32 a game. They played out of their minds. It didn't seem sustainable, and obviously it, it wasn't. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point when you have, you know, a two-way player who's covering, you know, an MVP candidate in crunch time down the stretch. That's just a bad sign, you know, that it just shows kind of where the Nets are at right now, you know, just just limping here right now. Like you said, I, I think that's a good word to uh, kind of describe it because um, at least um, 
today, you know, like you said, the bench was playing well. There was, you know, there were a few positives you could take out of this. But for me, the thing that kind of sticks out the most is just Torian Prince is just really, really struggling over the last month or so. He's just been, you know, really, really bad. And I don't know if maybe, you know, you get a Levert back, you get a Kyrie Irving, takes a little pressure off him. Maybe you can get him going. But in the month of December, he shot uh, 32% from the floor, 30% from three, 10.7 points a game. Seven, I mean, 7.9 rebounds. But I don't, I don't think you, I don't want to read into rebounds too much because they're kind of uh, an yeah. empty stat. It feels like nowadays. But he's just, he's really struggling to shoot the ball. Kind of, you know. Almost like every once in a while you see he has these little spurts and you're thinking he hits a three and you're like, okay, maybe this is him kind of starting Mm -hmm. to get out of it. And he just – he's really, really struggling. I think – I don't want to say he's holding them back because there's a lot of – there's a lot of issues going on right now. And it's not just something you can pin on one guy. But he's – for me at least, this is that's the the one thing that, that really stuck out to me tonight. Yeah, you briefly touched on it. It's the lack of creators that the Brooklyn Nets have right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, the month of December, they had a 28th ranked offense with Karis LeVert and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, they had the problems. They were only four and seven, but they had a sixth ranked offense. Obviously, the flip side to that being they had a 26th ranked defense. They haven't been able to figure that out quite yet when everyone's healthy. But with Torian Prince, it's, I mean, he does, like you said, he, he really relies on other people creating, you know, quality looks for him. When we see him go off the dribble, and it's, it's like he has this signature move now. I tweeted it out where he drives into the body and then he looks to go um, glass off a fadeaway. And it just like it never works. Um, when, you, when we see him try to create a shot for himself or perhaps create a look for others, it's just been incredibly inconsistent because mm-hmm. even even like Joe Harris, and I'll put my bias aside, I, I obviously have, you know, advocated that he's much more than a shooter but these guys are best suited as catch and shoot perimeter threats and when they're asked to really you know do more within this offensive scheme it it hasn't worked well it's you can clearly see the lack of creators and how that's affecting both Torian Prince and and Joe Harris too who's been you know off and on to be honest with you the last month Mm -hmm. month and a half yeah, and I, I actually, I, I was thinking that same thing. I, you know, kind of that I wanted to kind of lump Joe Harris into this with Prince, and I think you, it's a little, yeah, off and on. That's a good way to put it because mm-hmm. Harris, like his, his percentages, his numbers, like over the last month or so, are still decent. But you know, again, there are already these games mixed in here. You know, he's five for seventeen tonight, one for six from deep. You know, if if they get a couple more buckets from from Harris, you know, down the stretch. Does does the game change? You know, do, do they do they stay within the striking distance and pull this one out late? Mavericks haven't been great at you know holding these late fourth quarter leads lately, so you never know. You know, if Joe Harris hits a couple more, but I don't want to I, I don't want to lump him in too much with Prince because I think Prince has been just a lot yeah. worse. Um, <clears throat> no, for sure. But you know, this is just I, I think it all stems back to just this idea of, you know, the Nets don't have their, their big guys. They don't have their creators. There's only so much that Spencer Dinwiddie can, you know, can shoulder the load. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually, I think is almost a good thing that he play, he only played 23 minutes tonight because he's just been, you know, usage through the roof, you know, playing big minutes all the time, 
you know, this is like the dog, these are the dog days of the season, kind of after New Year's, after Christmas, leading up to the, to the, uh, you know, the all-star game. So just, I still, I'm still not like ready to say that the Nets are going to fall out of the playoffs or anything like that. Cause like the rest of the East is just so bad. I think they'll be able to weather the storm, but, Mm -hmm. um, but actually, uh, you you wrote a good article the other day about kind of the upcoming stretch the Nets have to face, and they're just there's a lot of good teams coming up on the schedule. Yeah, the first three weeks of uh, January here, the next nine of their next ten games are going to be against playoff seeded um, opponents with a smaller break in the middle of that against the Atlanta Hawks. So right now, sitting at 16 and 17, they've lost four straight. They've lost five of the last six. They really should have lost six in a row if Atlanta doesn't absolutely fall mm-hmm. apart in the fourth quarter, if we're being, you know, completely yeah. honest with each other. This team is, they, they are, they're just, they're absolutely in desperate need of reinforcements. And again, I don't want to kind of say what the Brooklyn Nets have done, you know, without Karis LeVert and Kyrie Irving has not been incredibly impressive because it has been. And the job that Kenny Atkinson has done as well. But the context is important. You also have to take in consideration that the Brooklyn Nets up to this point have had the second easiest schedule in the NBA, only behind the uh, Chicago Bulls. So the good teams do have to take advantage of such and beat, you know, sub 500 Mm -hmm. teams. But that's also important. And right now, like as we see every time the Nets seemingly play, uh, formidable opponent like the Dallas Mavericks or the Houston Rockets a couple nights ago. They just don't have the firepower to get over the hump and combat a Luka Doncic or a James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Luckily, they didn't have KP tonight, etc. And it's hard to assess this team. If this, like, Would you say a 16 and 17 start, all things considering, has been disappointing, Danny? I uh, like that's that's a good that's a really good question because I don't know if I would like disappointing almost feels like a little too strong just because of all the injuries. But I mean, you're on a four game losing streak right now. You've lost to a bunch of teams that you should have beat. And then you've also lost, you know, games that you should have won against, you know, better teams like that. I'm thinking back to that heat game that they, you right. know, they blew down the stretch. And that's another case of, you know, they just didn't have the star who could close it out for them. Um, so, ah, I don't know. Dis- disappointing is a good word because, uh, like, I don't know. They're still in the playoff picture, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to say. I don't know. That's a, That's a good one. They could, on the flip side, they could be a really dangerous seventh seed if they're fully healthy come April. That's yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if if you have if you have Irving, you have Levert back, and then you know I know the the company line has been Durant's not coming back this year, but I don't think I don't think you can say never. You know, never with him. Um, I wouldn't be like I I wouldn't put money down that he would come back for the playoffs, but I wouldn't be completely shocked. If he, you know, if he made an appearance, but mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, this is all speculation at this point. No, no, it hundred percent is. Um, unfortunately, this is an organization yeah, no, that <laughs> it, it sucks. This is what it feels like. This is what we've been doing all season long is just like speculating, like what right. they'll look like when they're fully healthy, when people right. will come back. And uh, I think you were just, I think I just cut you off before you were about to get into something with uh, how the organization handles the injuries. No, that was kind of the uh, direction I was going to go into yeah. because we are we are we are we are always discussing. Okay, what will the Brooklyn looks? What will the Brooklyn Nets sorry look like when they're fully healthy? What is 
what is this team ceiling? And it's getting to the point where it's like, man, I just, you know, I, I want to see them healthy at this point. We really don't know what's going on with Kyrie Irving. I mean, would it be any surprise to anyone if it came out next week that he's getting season-ending surgery on, on his shoulder? I, I, don't, I honestly don't think it would. Um, Karis Avert, he's been, you know, very close to returning for seemingly three weeks now. Kind of, we're not exactly left in the dark like we are the Kyrie Irving situation with Levert, mm. but then again, like I don't know if he's going to be playing this week, and I don't know if we're going to see him earlier next week or in the middle of January. Nobody really knows the Kyrie Irving situation. Of kind of, I'm not. It's 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 gotten to a point, Danny, where I'm not really anticipating a return in January. I'm looking at this roster and what they will be like once Levert comes back. If Levert's going to be in the backcourt with Dinwiddie to start, or if he's going to come off as a six-man and Kenny Atkinson is going to slowly acclimate him into the roster, because it, it has, it's gone to a point where, all right, Kyrie Irving, not so much as far down the line as Kevin Durant, but that's you know it's kind of down the line now, at least in my opinion, because again, we're kind of left in the dark. All we can do is speculate, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Levert. I mean, maybe I'm just. <clears throat> buying into it too much but i think lavert should be back soon you know I, I don't worry about him as much but i think you bring up a good point you know it just feels like there's you know we have no idea what's going on with Kyrie. i mean how, weeks ago it was like oh no this isn't you know a big thing this is only you know it just needs a little bit of rest and then you know there are reports that you know the nets are refuting that said you know something like he was going to be out until you know mid whenever. It just it feels like no, no one has any idea what's going on with Kyrie, and to a certain extent, it feels like the Nets don't even know what's going on with him mm-hmm. um, and his shoulder right now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just I'm gonna uh, just I'm looking at the box score now. I'm just gonna take off on a tangent. The uh, I think a big part of of this game was in that second half. They just let Seth Curry run wild in that third quarter. Um, I think defensively, that's got to be better because if you don't have your stars, you don't have your Levert, your right, your right. Kyrie Irving, you can't let you know. I mean, Seth Curry is a good player, but you can't let him go off for five for five from three. You know, nine of thirteen from the floor. Uh, defense, defense, I think it just has to be a little bit better. Well, yeah, the the Nets, to add on to your point, the Nets had a fourth-ranked defense in December. Again, that you also have to take in consideration the, uh, you know... Mavericks uh, are level. really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I, are, they're still, I think they're still number one in offensive rating, right? They're they're in the top three last time I checked, so... Okay, yeah, because yeah. I know they've been, they've been... I remember when they came to the Garden, they were, you know, they were number one, and they've been like going one and two and three, you know, up at the top there. So, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm being a little critical, but it just feels like sometimes when, you know, when a guy gets out on a, on a crazy, you know, when Luca does it, it's a different story. Cause right, he's, right, right. he's unreal, but it feels like, you know, Seth Curry is a guy that you should be able to at least, um, you know, throw, yeah, throw a little more attention at him when, when Luca's off the court. Cause you know, you can't let, you can't let them, you know, put up big numbers when, no. when Luca's off the court. And plus, no KP, they're dealing with some uh, some injuries of their own, you know, mm-hmm. which we'll we'll see what happens with him. But um, yeah, well, no, you're uh, right. Yeah, the the Mavericks as a team shot 18 of 39 from distance, 46.2 percent. You can't allow a team of this magnitude to shoot that efficiently mm-hmm. from deep. And it seemed like a lot of the game that they were getting, you know, really quality looks from the perimeter, and that has, you know. You have to look at Kenny Atkinson's defensive scheme 
as one of the reasons as to why that you know that happened when he was falling back in two three zone it seemed like Dallas had no trouble picking it apart they were getting what they want off pick and roll especially with Max uh, Kleber I always forget how to Maxi, pronounce his last name Maxi Kleber Kleber yeah I, I always forget Kleber. how to pronounce yeah I always forget yeah. how to pronounce his last name but yeah exactly fade um you know he was fading off pick and rolls getting what he wants. It's 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 not a good look whenever you allow a team to shoot forty six point two percent from distance. So that's yeah. kind of recipe for disaster. Yeah, I like I like Kleber. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm I'm big into the international guys. Always, he's uh, he's one of the guys I like watching. Um, but like again, again, I got like if Porzingis is out there, it's a different story because the, the gravity he brings and whatnot. Um, mm. You know, Nets they just kind of like. Kleber, yeah, he's a good he's a good shooter, but you can't give him, you can't give Kurt, you know, you can't give these guys open looks. And then, I don't know if maybe I'm just I'm I'm mixing up because the Knicks, I watch like so much of like their how they do like defensive switching on pick and rolls and stuff like that. Right. Feels like lately, or at least tonight, the Knicks or the Nets were getting caught um, getting caught in like like Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan onto onto Luca or like you know onto no, JJ yeah. Barrett. Felt like they were getting caught a lot in switches with mismatches tonight. Uh, I don't know if it's more than usual, but it felt like they got burned on that. And sometimes, you know, if you have J.J. Barea taking a step back three, that's not the worst yeah. thing in the world. But if you have Luka Doncic doing it, that's that's a different story. No, you're completely right. Um, this obviously isn't a very switchable defense. These were kind of switches out of necessity when DeAndre Jordan or Jared Allen were meeting a Luka Doncic or J.J. Barea beyond the perimeter. Mm-hmm. They weren't fighting through screens well tonight. Um, they weren't really playing with much intensity or passion on the defensive end, and that why is the main reason why the Mavericks op- um, operated with such comfort and shot 50% for the uh, entire game, right? So mm-hmm. it's you, – you, you have to it's, – it's tough with um, – when you take it to consideration, uh, DeAndre Jordan or Jared Allen, uh, when they get switched off onto the perimeter, especially DJ, he has this like really bad habit of uh, allowing open 16-footers off pick mm-hmm. and rolls. And J.J. Barea had a couple of those tonight. Um, this wasn't a great DeAndre Jordan game. and It definitely wasn't a great Jared Allen game, who has kind of been off now for about a month, it seems, which is kind of strange. Um, yeah, Jared Allen, especially on the offensive end, he hasn't really been himself since that stretch of, what was it, seven or ten games where he's putting up, you know, beastly double-double mm-hmm. numbers. Um, you can see that the scouting report has kind of switched on him, and, and Dinwiddie for that matter, too, where his um, opposition, or opposing team, sorry, or uh, congesting the paint and making his life more difficult, and he's still doesn't have the physicality to um, kind of overcome that, I should say. I don't know. And, it's just something I've noticed. Yeah, and then you you add in the fact that, you know, Torian Prince isn't hitting his threes, you know, when, Din, when they're packing the paint in on him. Um, you know, Dinwiddie's looking to kick out to a shooter. If Prince isn't hitting his shots, teams are going to, you know, prefer that to, to a Dinwiddie at the bucket. It's actually, like, the Knicks, like, that's their whole defensive philosophy basically all year has been – pack the paint, you know, and then just try and close out on shooters, which hasn't worked a lot. But obviously we saw the other night when the Knicks, you know, held the Nets to like, you know, a historically oh, low two point, you know, two point field goal yeah. game. 
You know, I mean, in that Prince was one for 10 from three, Dinwiddie three for nine, Harris two for seven, Temple two for seven. Just if, if teams are going to just wall off that paint on them and they're not going to hit threes at a, at a decent clip, um, it's going to be tough for them to uh, to overcome these games. And I'm trying to think now, Was it you wrote something recently about uh, Kyrie Irving coming back with how he, he Joe Harris shoots off of his passes. Was that something oh, yeah. you wrote recently? Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. Joe, Harris, okay, yeah, Joe yeah. Harris and Torian Prince are both shooting above 50% from distance when receiving passes That's it. to Kyrie Irving. Yeah, Small sample yeah. size, but like it's still significant in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, no, that 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 stuck out in my head. I couldn't remember if it was you or Matt, but um, but yeah, no, that stuck out in my head. So I mean, just kind of, I I hate <laughs> I hate that we just always end up circling back to this, but you know, you get those guys back, things things change. Um, but I'm gonna pivot for a second here. I'm gonna sure. try, me and Matt, Matt and I were talking uh, about doing um, a new little uh, segment here complain or compliment so i'll give you oh. a player or a coach or you know something like that and Good. then you either you choose if you're going to complain about them or compliment them All easy right. enough sounds good who do you got okay so first i'm gonna go with uh i'm not i'm not we already talked about prince a little bit so i'm gonna skip him <laughs> uh, yeah uh i'll start kenny atkinson oh man you know what i would actually have to be in the boat of compliment and I don't think that opinion right now is too popular amongst Nets Twitter. I've seen some people saying that Rick Carlisle outcoached him. Okay, Rick Carlisle is, you know, one of what? Ten greatest coaches that we've ever seen. But that's the debate for another day. Um, I think what he's done, I mean, we've seen how many drastic alterations this rotation has seen in the last now 22 games. What he's done with less has actually been, you know, pretty remarkable. I mean, still, without Kara's Avert, without Kyrie Irving, they're still 12-10. and 10. They're still above water. This season could have gone south in a hurry. He has this habit of being able to get more out of his players. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie has played like an, you know, an NBA All-Star. Maybe not as recently, but, you know, the first 15, 17 games is a stretch, for sure. Um I, I, I would have to compliment him. I don't think he deserves any of the blame for how this season has gone. This was completely out of his power. Um, I think he's proved enough during the stretch to be able to have the luxury of coaching a Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant in the 2020-21 season. I know that's been on some people's minds. He's He's been steady. I, 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 don't, I don't really have too many bad things to say about him right now, Danny. Yeah, I think I think it's easy for people to kind of become, you know, prisoner of the moment. You know, your four game losing streak. It's like, oh, right. this must be the coach's fault. You know, I mean, I, I like last year when they were eight and 18, I even fell into that a little bit, you know, kind of wondering aloud, you know, is Kenny the right guy for the job or, you know, is this is this something else? I think since then, I've, I've, I'm trying at least to be, you know, not get too high when the when the going is good and not get too mm-hmm. low when the going is bad because, uh, you know, it's just that the ebbs and flows of an NBA season, they're going to be ups and downs. And I think, you know, Atkinson, he's done a, he's done a good job kind of managing that. Right. Um, you know, all things considered, I, I, I think I, uh, I'm with you on that. I, I find it hard to complain about him, but uh, as we know on, on Twitter and, you know, Facebook and everything, people obviously have 
have their yeah. opinions. <laughs> yeah, a little um, stronger opinions sometimes. Yeah. And, and another thing that people usually nag on him for is he's such an analytically inclined coach and sometimes mm-hmm. defensively that can, you know, against a team like the Indiana Pacers, which we saw earlier in the season, where we gave up, you know, these open 16-footers because analytics say defend the three-point line, mm-hmm. defend the rim, and when we get when we play teams that are, you know, pretty good from the mid-range, like the Pacers or like the Spurs, for example, or even the Heat with Jimmy Butler and them boys, and they light us up, people immediately go to Twitter and say, well, look look at this, it's not going to work, come playoff time, et cetera, et cetera. He can't be the coach of the future. And on the offensive end, you know, we don't run a necessarily complex offensive scheme, a lot of high-action pick-and-rolls, a lot of, you know, off-ball movement through off-ball screens for perimeter guys. And when that's not clicking, and you also have to look at the personnel that he has right now on the court, it's mm-hmm. easy to put the blame on him. But I don't believe it's fair. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, next one, I'm going to go to. Uh, we haven't talked about this guy too much. I don't, think, I don't think, actually, I don't think we've mentioned him at all. Wilson Chandler. Oh, right now, compliment. Um, if you ask me through the first six games... It would have definitely been complaint because he. It, it was hard to gauge because he does have to get his legs from with under him. He's got to mm. get the shot back. He's got to get back into game form. Even if he did all those cardio minutes, if you've, mm-hmm. you know had a bull flex, ran up hills, all that shit, it doesn't really matter when it comes to actual you know being in game shape. But I thought even though he started off the uh, season two of seventeen from distance, I thought the shot looks good. He's one of those players where. Anytime he puts a shot up, I think it's going in because it's just such a pretty looking form. And now it's rounded to form where the last two games he's been, you know, very efficient offensively. And I've advocated for him actually, maybe potentially down the stretch here, getting, you know, a starting gig at the four alongside Jared Allen in front court to kind of beef up their toughness. I don't hate and- that at all. Yeah, and, and he can obviously space the floor on the offensive end. So I'd relegate Temple to the six-man position, slide Prince down to the three, start a backcourt of Joe Harris and Dinwiddie. Obviously, this is with Levert still out, and see how that goes. Yeah, no, I I, I think that that's an. I mean, uh, we're sitting here. Kenny has you know juggled these rotations so many times, but if he's looking for something that might click. Putting Wilson Chandler in the in the starting unit might not be a might not be a terrible idea, honestly. Mm. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm looking right now. I'm trying to. Uh, let's go. Actually, let's go. Because uh, I haven't been on Twitter much. How, Nets Twitter compliment or complain during the uh, the losing the losing streak? How's Nets Twitter holding up? Oh, it's the same underreaction <laughs> slash overreaction scene that we got through the four and seven star. Some people are, you know, on the fence of, hey, like, you guys are nuts. We don't have everyone healthy. It's unfair to be just judgmental. And on the other side, it's like literally trade everybody, send Musa to Antarctica, blow there's, it up. Kyrie is never, never going to play again. <laughs> Yeah, there's never any in, in between. It seems like on uh, on social media. No, and it's 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 been it's been really interesting. I, I will say that. Like, I I do enjoy opening up my Twitter, hitting the refresh button, and seeing the timeline and which direction they go in. But <laughs> I I would say for the most part, 
it's 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 weird because people will point out the roster and use it as an excuse but it's also the same people that go into every game thinking that they can win if that makes sense. I don't know I don't mm-hmm. know if Nick's Twitter has the same problem too or you guys are just said you know what full tank we're looking at James Wiseman or whoever the case may be we're looking at next year we're looking at summer of 2021 we're getting Giannis to and all that <laughs> well uh... I I think Knicks fans are still in like uh, they're still like in PTSD mode after missing out on Durant and Kyrie. So I think for the most part, Knicks Twitter doesn't want to talk too much about Giannis. But right now, three game winning streak. It's like it's crazy. It's the it's like the exact opposite, you know, of what the Nets are going through. The Knicks are on this hot stretch. Everyone now is convinced Mike Miller's the guy. So. I mean, <laughs> it's inter- it's interesting, but hey, they 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 keep things uh, entertaining at, at least. I'm not I'm not completely buying into this little hot streak here because they kind of ran into some teams at the right time. Um, right, right. But yeah, we'll see. It's just I've I've I haven't been paying too much attention to social media over the uh, over the holidays, so I got to get reacclimated because uh, it seems like it seems like with the Knicks and Nets, like there's so much going on. People are going to start mm. going crazy one way or another. Well, Julius Randle starting to look like uh, New Orleans Pelicans 2018-19 Julius Randle. As, as far well, as efficiency goes, yeah, he's he's been he's been better. He's been better. I, I've been I've been hard on him this year, but he's he's been uh, he's been much better. I can't really complain about about him too much. And he's also like he's seems like he's you know a good leader in the locker room and stuff like that kind of takes charge um i mean the next there's there's so many flaws with that team i don't i don't want to buy into this is kind of the yeah the opposite like i'm i don't want to get i don't want to like you know become a prisoner of the moment where it's like mm-hmm. oh you know the nets are the worst team in basketball right now because they lost four in a row and i don't want to be like oh the knicks are the best team in basketball because they won three in a row try and stay a little bit more level um mm-hmm. But it's just funny watching the the difference between the two teams right now. When a month ago it was the exact opposite. Oh, uh, we're just speaking about Karis Levert not long ago. Quick, like in pod Woj bomb. He is going to be playing Ooh, against okay. the Raptors on Saturday, so we will okay. see Karis Levert back in the lineup. This is a really exciting time. Uh, we've desperately, I mean, desperately have needed him and. You know, this could also be a blessing in disguise. We get to see what Dinwiddie and Levert look like mm-hmm. as a uh, backcourt because moving forward, um, I know a lot of Nets fans may not like this. That could be the sixth and the newly acknowledged um, seventh man, and uh, for the Brooklyn Nets, kind of in a similar sense as to what the, like the Clippers do with their sixth and seventh man. Obviously, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, you know guard and a mm-hmm. big these are two guards but they're two players that can absolutely uh wreak havoc on uh, opposing second units yeah no that's actually that's a nice little woge bomb uh on the pod uh nice little good news i wonder <clears throat> I, I know kenny said something about how we didn't want to bring him back in minnesota because that's where he got hurt i wonder if they were just like you know what let's just but we we want him to start his you know have his first game at home be a little more comfortable. I wonder if that played into uh, into the cal- calculus at all. I thought about that, and I think and I know it may sound um, obscure to some, but I think that may have actually played a role. Especially yeah, exactly. you, you you didn't want him playing in Minnesota 
We know what happened yeah. last year. Um, you know, we'll take another night off. The road trip's over with. You're back home on Saturday. You get to be in front of the Barclays faithful. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah, probably th- getting I- a standing go. I thought he was. I thought he was going to come back on the road trip just because he traveled with them. I mean, I guess maybe it was. It would. They were. They were considering playing him because mm-hmm. um, when he went on the road trip, I was like, oh, he, he's probably going to. Like, he wouldn't go if he wasn't planning on playing. But I guess this this makes uh, this makes a little more sense. Yeah, and right in the nick of time, especially with like what I said, yeah. nine of the next we- ten games being against playoff teams. Yeah, we just we just spent the whole pod talking about how they need their guys back. There they go. They got one. They got, they got one back now. He's back. One of them. Yep. All right. So uh, I think that probably uh, probably about wraps up for us here. We kind of kind of basically had a uh, a venting session over the loss, but uh, but I, I don't think either of us are really too uh, getting too crazy about this. No. It, it is it is what it is at this point in the season. Um, no. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want to bury the bury the Nets for for too much. No, we still like you said. We still got forty eight games to go, man. Like it's a really really long eighty two game season, and who knows what happens in the Eastern Conference hierarchy within like the next months, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, the Nets could turn us around and go on an absolute tear and a win streak. And to conclude these uh, nine out of ten games where they're playing playoff teams, they're actually playing seven straight games against opponents under 500 so they pick up a little momentum take care of business against the uh lower city teams all of a sudden they're sitting high and pretty as you know a six seed moving forward so again who knows it's a long season yeah basically just that yeah don't don't want to overreact that that a lot of uh a lot of people should uh should try and take that advice because it's a four game losing streak it's not the end of the world They'll, they'll move past it. So I think that's uh, that's about all we have. We'll we'll catch you next week on the Clean Sweep Pod. Thanks again for jumping on with us, Nolan. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me.